This is One Oak Church. We exist to share the hope of Jesus. No matter who you are or where you're at in life, you are welcome. Our mission is simple, to bring people that are far from God close to Him. Tune in as Pastor Robbie Emery shares how we change the world by loving God and loving others. If you have your Bibles, I want you to open them with me. Stand with me. Matthew chapter 6, verse 21. We'll read one passage of Scripture. Matthew 6 and 21. Scripture is just talking about what we value. An expression of what we value. I'm not going to be before you very long today, but I do, I do feel like I want to share something. In fact, to the point of this morning, I, I sent an email to the team and I said, hey, I want, I'm going to preach something different. I'm going to change this up today. And uh, so if there's not anything on the screen, it's, it's my fault. You should bring your Bibles to church, just saying. It's church, right? Like bringing your glove to the baseball field, you should. It's church. Got it on your app? They got it on the screen? Matthew 6, 21. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. So what you value is where your heart's going to be. Fight for it. pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you. Thank you, God, for our time together. Thank you, God, for the worship experience that we had. Lord, we do remember what you've done for us. We've asked you, we've prayed, God, that you would remember us today. You put us back together. Mend us, God, today. But I pray today that we would look at our lives and and see what we value and, and fight for the things that we value. Fight for our families, fight for our faith. Stand up for them. I pray, God, today for every person in this room. I pray, Lord, they would receive what you'd have for them today, that would take in everything you would have for them. And God, we pray today that our Detroit Lions would beat the Arizona Cardinals. In Jesus' name, amen. Come on. You can be seated. You guys were waiting for that, weren't you? Yeah. They need lots of prayer. My mom's here, I mentioned that, and um, growing up, uh, we, we didn't have a lot of things growing up. We had a great home, great life. Um, we had a lot of the good things. It is not back to school. Um, <laughs> we had a lot of good things. Um, but what we, what we did have, uh, we did have like relationships with um, some families close to us, and they had this, remember, remember they had this big old house. They lived several uh, miles from us. They had this big old house. They had... Um, they had horses, they had a swimming pool, they had, uh, they had a moped. Um, if you'll notice that, um, don't look at me too close, don't judge me for this, but I broke my nose over their house one day, and um, no one, like, my nose is crooked. My nose is literally crooked from, I, I don't know, it's, it's from that day, I don't know how I did it. I was riding the moped, my cousin was driving, I flipped over, cracked my nose, didn't want to get in trouble, so I told my cousin, hey, go ahead and put it back. And he did. He just grabbed my nose and moved it. I could breathe. I was fine. A little bloody, but it was all right. I just didn't want to get in trouble. I didn't want to. I wanted to keep going over to their house. I wanted to keep riding the horses. I wanted to keep riding the moped. I wanted to keep swimming in the pool. I wanted to keep doing all that stuff because it was great. When we'd go to the Roberts' house, we'd go over there, and they lived in this, this area, 
And it was like, wow, look at all these houses. They were huge. Like, I'm like, man, these are, what are these? Are they schools? They're like, no, these are homes. I'm like, I want to live here, right? So we'd go there, and we'd spend time there, hang out. There was a lot of fun. Then we'd have to leave. And I was I didn't want to go. I didn't want to leave. I wanted them to adopt me. I wanted to stay at their house and swim in the pool and ride the horses. Because I love what they had, the value and the possessions they had. I wanted to ride a horse. I wanted to swim in the pool. I wanted to do those things. I understood that there was something of value there that I wanted to be a part of and wanted to be there. They had a computer there. They did. Back when I was a kid, they had a computer, Commodore 64, folks. Floppy disks. They had all that. You have to love the guy by the name of Ricky Henderson, one of the greatest leadoff hitters of all time. Ricky Henderson played baseball for the Oakland Athletics, led the major league in stolen bases. In an interview with Mike and Mike on ESPN Radio, he shoots down a couple of preposterous stories circulating about him. But also he confirms one of the outrageous ones. And one of the outrageous stories about Ricky Henderson was that when he was signed, he was given one of the largest contracts at that time for a baseball player, he was given a sign-in bonus of $1 million dollars. Now, Brad, he was given a check for $1 million. Millionaire, instantly. And so Ricky Henderson takes that check, and he goes and he puts it in a frame, and he hangs it up in his house. After a few days later, Mr. Henderson gets a phone call from the organization of the Oakland Athletics and says, Mr. Henderson, do you still have that check that we gave you? That million-dollar check. Yeah, still have it. Well, sir, where is it? Hanging on my wall. Like, we're going to need you to make a copy of that and go cash that one. Because if you don't put it in the bank, if you don't cash it, then it's not worth the ink it's printed on, the paper it's printed on. It's not worth it. You have to go do something with it, sir. And in that moment, as a young man, he didn't understand that that was valuable. That that was the million dollars that he was so searching for and training for and trying to get. He didn't understand that value there. The opposite is true, though. When you know what you have, you won't let it go. You won't let it go without a fight. When you know what you possess, when you know what you have, when you know that you have years invested into this marriage, you're not going to let it go without a fight. When you have years invested into the family, you're not just going to let it go without a fight. When you have years invested into your dream, you're not going to let it go without a fight. When you have time and energy invested in your faith, you're not going to let it go without a fight. You're going to fight for it. In, 19, in 1888, Alfred had the rare privilege of reading his own obituary. Imagine waking up one day and reading about your life. I'm still around, but apparently they think I'm gone. A French newspaper erroneously printed it upon the death of his brother Ludwig. Ludwig died. But they thought Alfred had died. 
though a bit dubbed the prolific Swedish inventor as the merchant of death, and said that he made it possible to kill more people more quickly than anyone in history. The indictment sent shockwaves through Alfred's soul. It became that defining moment that redefined his life and his legacy. Alfred had been granted 355 patents during his lifetime. But his most famous was for nitroglycerin mixed with absorbent sand and shaped into sticks called dynamite. His invention made it possible for the digging of tunnels, the building of dams, and the construction of canals. It saved time, money, and lives, but like any invention, it also had the power to be misused and abused. When put in the wrong hands, dynamite became a weapon of mass destruction. This was his obituary. Countless lives were lost because of Alfred. So Alfred devoted the rest of his life and his death to righting that wrong. After reading his obituary, Alfred rewrote his last will and testament. On November 27, 1895, he pushed everything in the middle. And so he took his $9 million fortune at that time to establish one of the most coveted awards in the world, the Nobel Prize. A hundred years later, his name, Alfred Nobel, is synonymous with the world's greatest advancements in science, literature, medicine, and peace. The cumulative good resulting from that award is incalculable. Few things are as life-changing as unexpected adversity. When you face tough times, when you face adversity, when you face the storms of life, when you face the rage of, of things that are happening day to day, when things you can't control are coming at you, adversity, I face adversity, Adversity is a mirror that gives us a glimpse of who we really are. Adversity. It was almost 10 years ago, 10 years ago, that my best friend in the whole world, a brother to me, we were friends since I was four and he was five, he passed away. He quickly was diagnosed with cancer the same year he passed, six months later. Diagnosed with cancer in January of 2009, passed away in July of 2009. He was a pastor, a faithful husband, a father of two, and my friend. Had no idea or why this would happen, understanding. It just was adversity. It just was tough. You know what I had to fight for in those moments, TJ? I had to fight for my faith. I did. Kevin, I had to fight for it. Because my faith was rocked, Bob. It was shaken. Because I was my friend, and he was a father, and he was a pastor. He was a good dude. And he died. We've been married for almost... 17 years, or 18 years, right? I don't even know. I don't know. All those who have been married longer than us, you can relate. Just got some respect. But there's been days that we've had to fight for our marriage. 
It's not always been a day that we get up and like, woohoo, yeah, good day to be married, right? I'm like, woo, you, you hit, trying to hit me? You know, that's real talk. What's going on? But then days we had to get up to fight for it because 17, 18 years. We value it. Adversity is a, a rear view mirror that puts the past in perspective. How's that? It puts the past in perspective because if I can get through, if I've got through something before, I can get through what I'm facing now. If I've, if I've thought, faced insurmountable odds before, then, then I, I can face what I think is maybe insurmountable odds now. I love hearing the stories of, of the adversity that they're facing in Houston. It's daunting. But the stories of adversity say, we'll, we'll come back. We'll be okay. It's not great now. But we're going to be better. We're going to be bigger. We're going to keep going. You can't stop that Texas pride is what they're saying. The rest of us are like, man, Texas is more pride. Wow, that's all we need. I'm from... But the adversity is saying, you know, we, we've been here before. We can get through this again. Experience of adversity become the defining moments in our lives. I want the band to come. I don't know of an experience of adversity that is more dramatic than that of three guys. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. In Daniel chapter 3, verse 16, it says, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego replied, Oh, Nebuchadnezzar, we do not need to defend ourselves before you. If we are thrown into the blazing furnace, the God whom we serve is able to save us. He will rescue us from your power. But even if he doesn't, say that with me, say even if. Say it like you mean it. Say, even if. Even if he doesn't, we want to make it clear to you. When you say something out loud, I think, you know, they, they were defined. They're, 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 they're on solid ground. They're definitive in their moment. But I think it, by them saying it out loud, everyone hearing it, Nebuchadnezzar hearing it, it just settled it in their heart. They shared it. They spoke it. Even if he doesn't, we want to make it clear to you, your majesty, that we will never serve your gods or worship the gold statue you've set up. We're going to fight for our faith. We may have to live in slavery. You may have captured us and pulled us into Babylon. We may have to live here. But we're going to fight for our faith. And the king was so mad. Nebuchadnezzar was hacked off. He said, set that fire, that furnace, set it seven times hotter than it's ever been. Make it hot. So they tied them up and threw them in the furnace, fully dressed in their pants and their turbans and robes and other garments. And because the king in his anger had demanded such a hot fire in the furnace, the flames killed the soldiers as they threw the men in. So Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, securely tied, fell into the roaring flames. Suddenly, 
Nebuchadnezzar jumped up in amazement and exclaimed to his advisors, didn't we tie up three men and throw them into the furnace? Why, yes, your majesty, we certainly did. Look, Nebuchadnezzar shouted, I see four men, unbound. One, Nebuchadnezzar saw something in the flames. I want you to know that the enemy sees who's helping you. He sees who's with you. If you'll just keep fighting, if you'll have an even-if attitude. If they were unbound, what had them tied up going into the furnace no longer had them tied up. And they were walking. They were just on a stroll. I don't know how big that furnace was. It could hold three, four people. And it was big enough for them to take a walk in. I'm telling you, if you will fight, fight for your faith, fight for your family, fight, put your value in those things. When everyone is wondering what's going on in your world, you'll be able to take a walk in a furnace. You'll be able to take a walk in a fire. You'll be able to take a walk in a tough time. I'm just fighting for this. I'm fighting for it. They tied them up and they threw them in, but they, they were unbound walking around in the fire unharmed. So now they go into the fire and they're willing to fight for their faith. They go into the fire and they're, they're not alone. I'm telling you, if you'll, if you'll say, you know, I'm going to fight for my family. I'll fight for my faith. I'll fight. I'll, I'll fight. I'm not giving up. Sometimes the greatest courage is not, is not being able to throw a punch, but I'm just not turning in. I'm not throwing in the towel. I'm just going to keep fighting. I'm just going to keep in the, I'm staying in the ring. I'm going to keep in the game. I, I'm not giving up. I'm just going to keep going after it. And that's what they were saying. They never threw a punch. They just never gave up. And they had someone go in there with them. They had someone with them. The enemies couldn't go where they were going. The presence of God was there. And then what had them bound when they went in no longer could bound, bind them because what had them bound was subject to the fire, but they weren't. Now they're walking around. Now, when I walk, it's because I'm, I'm, at, I'm in a, on a peace. There may be something crazy happening around me, but there's a peace in my spirit walking around the fire and they were unharmed. The fourth looks like the son of God. Nebuchadnezzar came close as he could to the door of the flaming furnace and shouted. Because remember the other guys got close and they got burned up. Nebuchadnezzar got as close as he could and he shouted, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, servants of the most high God, come out. Come here. So Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego stepped out of the fire. Then the high officers and officials and governors and advisors crowded around them and saw that the fire had not touched them. They're examining them. There's no scars. There's no burns. There's no degrees of burns. They begin to examine them and look at them. Not a hair on their head was singed. Still looked good. And they got close enough, they started smelling them, Ryan. These guys don't even smell like fire. You can walk by a campfire, folks. Just walk by and you smell like it for days. These dudes were in a fire seven times hotter that destroyed the men trying to destroy them. And they didn't even smell like it. 
going to encourage you today. I know it feels like you're going through a lot of stuff in your life. I know adversity is coming at you and things are hitting you from every side and the storms of life are raging and maybe you've been thrown into a furnace. But I want you to know that our God's with you. When the enemy tried to destroy you, you're still here. You're still serving. You're still coming. You're still going. Keep fighting. Have the even if attitude. Even if he doesn't deliver us, we're going. I'm pressing. I'm staying in this. In the face of the adversities, these guys, they stuck together. They didn't allow what was before them stop what was on the inside of them. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. That's how it was. You always hear them mentioned together. TJ, Jake, and Sean. Always mentioned together. Kat, Leah, and Robin. Always mentioned together. They were a team. We're in this together. We got this. Why are we doing connect groups? Why are connect groups a part of the DNA of our church? Because we need to do life together. Let's not do life alone. Let's help each other along this journey. Get in a group. Host a group. Be a part of it. Let it be a part of you. So I promise you'll make a friend that you'll have for a lifetime. You might even meet a Shadrach or a Meshach. You might even meet somebody that will go into the fiery furnace with you. Shadrach, Meshach. Their statement in the face of adversity was that our God is able, but even if, even if, many of you in this room have an even if attitude. Even if, even if. I close with this. The fire didn't define them. It didn't even hurt them. The fire just revealed what was already on the inside of them. Let adversity show your true inner excellence. The way you get through the fire is you say, I'm fighting. Even if I'm in this, I'm fighting for my faith, I'm fighting for my family, I'm fighting for my future, my dreams, my passions, my pursuits, I'm fighting. I hope today in this simple talk that you maybe are encouraged to fight this week. That you're encouraged to keep going after it. This little persuasive speech has been one to just shove you to the next step. Bow your heads with me. All over this room, every head bowed, every eye closed, every mind on God. We started this day by remembering what the Lord has done for us, the cross of Calvary. We asked Him to put our lives back together so we can passionately pursue His purpose for our lives, the next steps, the things we're to do. We want to know God, to find freedom, discover purpose, and ultimately make a difference. And that's found in God. Today, if you've never given your life to Christ, You've never said yes to Jesus and, and you want to do that. 
You want him to put your broken pieces of your life back together and you want to commit your life to him. Or maybe it's been a long time since you said yes to Jesus. If you've never committed your life or it's been a long time. When I count to three, just stretch your hand in the air and no one's looking around. Every head's still bowed. When I count to three, just stick your hand up and we'll pray together. One, two, three. Throw your hand up. Hand up. Hand up. I see you. I see you. I see you. Put it right back down. Head back down. I can't pray for you today, but I do want to pray with you. And as a church, we'll pray together. With every head bowed, every eye still closed, every mind on God, just say this prayer with me together. Heavenly Father, I realize today that I need you more than anything else. Thank you, Jesus, for the cross. Today, I confess with my mouth and I believe in my heart that Jesus Christ is Lord and God raised him from the dead. Thank you for grace. Thank you for mercy. Thank you for my life. Today, I commit to an even if attitude. In Jesus' name, and all God's people said, amen. Come on, clap your hands on the Lord.